0: Good morning. Big congrats to uh, Tom and Aaron Bennett. Uh, they're over there with the kids right now, uh, serving our Trek youth. But uh, they're pregnant again. We're very excited for them, their second child. And uh, also, I want to make you aware of uh, some visitors we have, Robin and Karen Wood from Camp Allendale. It's good to have our missionaries in town. We love you guys, and uh, we're excited about this pending building project. I want to hear more about it. Maybe we'll give you a chance to say a few words during the annual meeting if you, if you want to stick around. If you don't, it's okay. I wouldn't stick around for a meeting either. <laughs> and also, would you pray for Mike Gibson? He's in Haiti right now. Uh, he's uh, making uh, some contacts down there in preparation for a lot of mission trips in 2013 for our church and others and continued efforts to build a new orphanage for Mizan, So we have a lot of uh, of opportunities, a lot of needs, and uh, let's go before the Lord in a word of prayer. Would you stand with me as we pray? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church. Thank you, God, that uh, we're a community, a family that is focused on you, that wants to serve you honor you with our time our resources our gifts We thank you God for those who are going out from our church in your name thank you for Robin and Karen all they do at Camp Allendale such a vital and critical ministry reaching out to the children and teenagers uh, who are so emotionally and physically afflicted Lord Thank you for that ministry. Thank you for Mike Gibson and Carrie, all their work in Haiti. We pray your blessings upon Mike right now as he makes important contacts and plans in preparation for the future. Would you, as you've already provided a new home for Zanfan Lakai, the boys and girls home, would you now provide a new home for the orphanage? God, would you... uh, continue to bless our church. Thank you for the praise of Tom and Aaron and the new baby that's coming. Blessings on David and Megan and the baby that's coming their way. And God, we just, we look around, we see so many good things. And yet still, many are sick too. Would you bless those who are hurting and ill at home. Now, as we open up your word, uh, would you speak to us as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18, beginning in verse 19, going to verse 21. A little backdrop to the story. Elijah, the prophet, is in front of a wicked king named Ahab. And Ahab, his wife Jezebel, and all of Israel have been worshiping false gods they've been worshiping idols they've been turning their eyes away from the Lord God and turning their eyes upon lesser things upon false gods upon idols upon the things of this world and Elijah the prophet was a lonely man he looked around Israel and he couldn't find anyone he he thought who was righteous? He couldn't find anyone who he thought was striving with the Lord. And there were confrontations, multiple ones, between him, Ahab, Jezebel, and all of Israel. And this is one such confrontation that we know all too well in our uh, Bible stories as children. This is the story of when Elijah met up with the prophets of Baal. On Mount Carmel. But this is the precursor to that event. Take a look at verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that King Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And Elijah answered and said, I've not troubled Israel. But you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals, the false gods. Verse 19. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, and 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel, and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered not a word. I want to read to you at length selections from an article from this current issue of Christianity Today. It's written by a man by the name of Barry Cooper, and the title of his article is Imprisoned by Choice. Imprisoned by Choice. He comments on this story in 1 Kings 18. This will be a lengthy quotation, but I want you to sit back and listen. Listen. To some incredibly wise words that that really moved me in these past few days. "Imprisoned by Choices" by Barry Cooper. He he writes, making choices and moving on with our lives seems increasingly difficult. We find ourselves paralyzed, unable to make choices about relationships. Dating, marriage, money, family, career. The prophets of Baal, in our story, says the prophets of Baal, they seemed unable, unwilling to make a choice. They wanted to hedge their bets, sit on the fence, keep their options open. What did Elijah tell them? How long will you falter between two opinions? How different are we as Christians in the 21st century? Would you prefer to make an ironclad, no turning back choice? Or one, you could have, or one you could back out of, if need be? Do you ever find that you're afraid to commit? Do you ever reply to party invitations with a maybe, rather than a yes or a no? Do you like to keep your smartphone switched on? at all times, even in meetings, so that you're never fully present at any given moment. Will you focus on the person you're talking to after a church service? Or will you look over her shoulder for a better conversation partner? If so, you may be worshiping the God of open options. But these so-called limitless choices don't make us happy. Instead, we become enslaved to being noncommittal, worshiping an idol, a false god. His name is Open Options. We worship the God of Open Options, and He is killing us. He kills our relationships because He tells us it's better not to become too involved. He kills our service to others because He tells us it might be better to keep our weekends Free. He kills our giving because he tells us these are uncertain times. You never know when you might need that money. What is most frightening about all, uh, what is most frightening about the God of open options is that you may not even know you are worshiping him because he pretends not to be a God at all. When Israel chose not to decide on Mount Carmel, They made a choice. By refusing to act, they were actually turning away from the living God who rescued them. Some modern translations interpret verse 21 as the people were wavering between two different options. But the Hebrew word is closer to our word limping. Their indecision was crippling them. So let me ask you, in what areas of your life Are you still flirting with the God of open options? Where are you refusing to choose? I'll pause there for just a moment. Where are you refusing to choose? Where are you keeping your options open? Where are you refusing to commit because total commitment, a no holds bar decision is something that you're just not prepared to do maybe it's even in your marriage maybe it's with a friend maybe it's at work maybe it's at church maybe it's with your kids I'm fearful that my generation and the generation below me will be among the first generations who make more eye contact with their phone than their kids I'm afraid that my generation that the picture of the dad and mom that the kids will have will be like a silhouette of their mom and dad staring at a computer screen or the television or their phone when it dings rather than making eye contact with their kids. Open options. Ding. Who's that? Never fully there. Never fully engaged. Never completely with the one in front of us. Because we like open options. Because we like to know what's around the corner. The article continues. Checking Facebook. Checking your phone every time it dings. Always thinking there's something better to be, somewhere better to be. Someone more important than the one you're with now. Enough of this non-committal, risk-averse, weak-willed, God-forgetting immaturity. And then he says this. He says, I write this with tears. Because as I look back over the past 20 years of my Christian life, I know I've repeatedly worshipped and served the God of open options. The God of open options is a cruel and a vindictive God. He will break your heart. He will not let anyone get too close to you. But at the same time, because he is so spiteful, he will not let anyone get too far away either. Because that would mean they're no longer an option. Jesus said, You cannot serve two masters. So choose one master. Choose the God of infinite possibility who closed off all other alternatives so that he could pursue for himself one bride. Choose the God who chose not to come down from the cross. Choose the narrow way. Stop worshiping the God of open options. I was really moved by that article. and I read you only about a quarter of it, believe it or not. Uh, I can resonate with it. I know what distracts me. I'm quite sure you can resonate with it in part as well. Because if if you stop and and pause and think about take stock of your life, you know what distracts you. If you're my generation or below, it's probably your phone. It's probably your computer. May also be your television might be the news might be sports it might be the constant desire for social affirmation I don't know what distracts you but I know that we're quickly and rapidly becoming a culture that loves to never commit to anything I'll say later on during our meeting after church some things that are on my heart and I wanted to share just a couple here we live in a distracted culture with backward priorities we need to slow down We need to make time for multiple moments of centering centering on God centering on our family Centering on the church. And I asked the question too. It's interesting that of our church, highly committed as we are, we are a highly committed church. Average church uh, participation rate, service rates, volunteer rates would be anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of the church serving in ministry. We're at two thirds. We have two thirds of our people who are engaged. Weekly, in some form of ministry, sixty-seven percent. But that still means that one third of you show up on Sunday, and that's it. You're a warm body, and that's nice. And sometimes that's all we need to be for a while. Maybe we've been hurting. Maybe we've been burned at a, at a in a previous church in a previous relationship. I don't know our story. Sometimes we just need to come and sit but we also need to remember that there is ample opportunity to serve to engage to commit and in a world that likes open options it's easy to just say well i could do that but there might be something better thirty three percent of you right now can commit can engage will you do it john wrote In Revelation, quoting Christ as he heard from him, Jesus said, I know your works. Revelation 3.15 I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'll spit you out of my mouth. He's talking about if you're useless, then you're going to be useless to me. if you're not going to engage, if you're not going to commit, if you're going to be a man or a woman who just loves to keep your options open, who never engages fully where you're at, who's always looking for someone or something better, if you're neither cold nor hot, you'll be spat out of his mouth, God says. Christ says. He'll be disgusted with you, is what he's saying. doesn't mean you'll Go to hell. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. But when God says he'll spit you out of his mouth, it means he'll be disgusted with you if you continue to act like that. Joshua addressed Israel in Joshua 24. He says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord your God, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers. The gods of the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Later on, the people made a choice with Joshua. Unlike the prophets of Baal in the story of Elijah, as you continue to read First Kings 18 at home, you'll read a story where they didn't make a choice. Well, they did. They chose wrongly. They chose poorly. They chose Baal and they died for it. In Joshua's case, Joshua 24, the people responded, they made a choice, and Joshua responds to them and says, now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you. Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve, his voice we will obey. I am urging us today in this just brief devotion, as we prepare for a meeting where we talk about where the church is going where we've been where we're headed I'm challenging you today to be a people who refuses to engage in worshiping the God of open options your smartphone might kill you if you do your laptop your television your insatious desire for sports for shopping for materialism for money, it will kill you. God wants you to lay aside all hesitation and to choose him, to choose his church, to commit to Christ, to commit to his body, to engage. let 's pray, Heavenly Father, Lord we just want to be a people whom your spirit inspires and guides and centers so that we would not be distracted Lord you know how rapidly this world is turning we're responsible today for so much more information there's so many more events there's so many more activities there's so many more things life was so much simpler decades ago but it's not so today and we can either whine about it or we can make changes within our culture to intentionally slow down to center to turn some things off to reprioritize. God, would you forgive us if we're never fully there with our spouse? Will you forgive us if we're never fully there for our kids? If we make more eye contact with our phone than with our son, than with our daughter? God, help us to choose, to commit, to be devoted. To be loyal. These are qualities you want from us. It's hard, Lord. Would you help us make this choice? Would you center us? Would you give us better priorities? Lord, you've guided this church now for 45 years, going on 46. We're growing. We're, We're deepening our faith. We're deepening our intimacy with one another, but Lord, there are a lot of traps around us. Help us to spur one another on. May your Spirit guide us into the future that we would be a highly engaged and devoted and centered people, centered on Jesus, on the things of His kingdom only. In His name we pray, amen.